Hi, you lovely, possibly sleep-deprived, but no less lovely person. Welcome back. Actually, I'm decidedly less lovely when I'm sleep-deprived, but we know that deep down, you're really a good person. I'm Kat Kuby, presenter, broadcaster and podcaster, and this is Sarah Carpenter, baby and child sleep expert and on top lovely person too. <laughs> Thanks, I'm glad you think so. I don't know, that is, I, weirdly that makes me feel like I'm talking about your boobs or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I agree that they're lovely after breastfeeding three babies, but you know, of course they are. I get by. <laughs> They've done a lovely job. Together, we are the Sleep Moms. This week, we're talking about a big milestone, moving baby into their own room or space. This move might only be next door or down the hall, but it can feel like a massive step for you and your baby. We get lots of parents messaging us, telling us how worried they are about the move and whether or not they should do it and if and when it will impact sleep. There's a lot to go through. But hopefully we can take away some of those worries you might have about moving baby into their own room. So Sarah, when is the right time? Is there a right time? I mean, I know the guidelines currently recommend for the first six months, but there's also been some discussion about whether this might be extended. So I guess it's good to just clarify what the situation is. So in a nutshell, if you're going by the guidelines, yes, there is a right time and the right time is any time after six months. If you're going by the UK guidelines and that is the UK guidelines, there are different guidelines depending on the country that you're in. And yes, there has been some discussion about the UK guidelines extending, but that has not happened yet. So the UK is currently working on a six month guideline to move into the own room, into the baby's own room. That is exactly what it says on the tin. It is a guideline. It is not law. It is not a rule. It is a guideline. It is there for parents to make an informed decision about. There are so many reasons why you might decide to move your baby before six months. And there are so many reasons why you might decide to wait longer than six months. So you have to be completely comfortable with your decision. It is a hundred percent up to you as parents when you do this move. Nobody can tell you that it's the right time. Nobody can tell you that it's the wrong time. If you are a guideline-led person, then yes, you, you're going to wait until six months. Um, but there are so many variables to this. And every family and every setup is different. I guess the the basis of, of the guidelines is about mm-hmm. safe sleep and preventing SIDS. That that's the main reason if you go by obviously as well we're big fans of the lullaby trust and um if you look towards them for for safe sleep guidelines but the reason that was discussed about extending was that um there was a study that said it was safer to do it up to 12 months so i think in america they their guidelines are slightly different they say ideally up to six or or they say definitely up to six months but ideally up to a year Yep, that's right. Um, but there's been a bunch of other studies as well, which said different mm-hmm. things. So it, that's, it is, you know, <laughs> like with lots of parenting things and particularly sleep, there is no right way because there are going to be different circumstances where different, and there are going to be circumstances where a baby doesn't have their own room to move into as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And it can also be different baby to baby as well. You know, 
my three all moved out of my room at different times. Poor Emily never even made it into my room. <laughs> because, yeah, it's different depending on where your, your, how your family set up is and what, what mm-hmm. your living situation is. Absolutely. Baby has likely been in the room with you since they were born, unless they're Emily. <laughs> You've been able to leap up at the slightest noise to check on them. Moving them away from you feels hard and or it can feel like a huge and scary step. Honestly, I think with my daughter, who was my first, I felt like she was leaving home, getting a job, getting her own place. So much was the fear of that tiny move. And it it, it was, you know, it's a small area. She was literally moving next door. <laughs> so I understand those worries. But Sarah, is it as bad as all these parents, including myself, worry that it's going to be? I think for the parents, yes, it is. Or at least for some of the parents, anyway, for some of the parents it can be as <laughs> easy as anything as easy as getting up and going to the toilet in the night you know it's just they're ready for it they do it and it's not a problem but yeah for a lot of us it is a real emotional pull um I, it was my mom that told me to do it with Harry which sounds completely ridiculous given that I advise people all the time but she came around one morning she's like that's ridiculous that he's still in your room you know he's been sleeping through the night for weeks now he just needs his own space and she was so right you know it was me that was hanging on to him there was absolutely no need for him to be in my room so yeah it, it it's scary because it is the first real time that they're away from you for a lot of people so it does feel like a big move and I think it coincides with lot like, you know, if you stick by the UK guidelines of six months, there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. happening at that time. You know, you're, you're, you're probably starting weaning. Um, you might be dealing with sleep differently, you know, and plus this, it feels like everything comes at you at once. And I think that's what can be quite overwhelming to parents too, because they, they feel like big steps of your baby not being a baby anymore, yeah. which also in hindsight, you're like, well, they're still a baby. I mean, my six-year-old is yeah. still my baby. Totally, absolutely. But yeah, at the time, it does just feel like a very grown-up change. And amongst all the sort of baby changes, it feels like a yeah. very grown-up change. But the reality is that it's not hard. Um, you know, we create these emotional scenarios in our head. And actually, when we do it, it doesn't need to be traumatic at all. I think, you know, the example with um, Indy, we started by moving her half a metre away from your bed and then a metre and then a little bit further. That felt hard, <laughs> you know. And then we all slept in the room with her one night. To sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you did it. You, we did it in really small steps and that's the thing. It doesn't need to be a massive move on night one. It can just be a little transition so that you feel comfortable. I think there is also that kind of worry, you know, you're saying Harry was sleeping through you, obviously, because you're, you know... <laughs> sleep queen (laughs) but you know for a lot of parents um that can be a kind of peak point um where they might be having some more different sleep uh issues um because it tends to coincide with a lot of these big milestones which um I'm obviously not going to talk about regressions because I know how you feel about those and if you want to know about those then you can listen to our podcast on them but there's a lot of things happening at the same time so sleep might be more disrupted so I think there is that feeling of like oh my god if I move them into a different room I'm just going to be getting up it's further for me to go and if I'm up multiple times a night but actually sometimes it can be the thing that helps absolutely that is a huge thing. Like I speak to so many clients that say that. I'll be like, you know, 
if they've inquired and they're around about the sort of six, seven month mark, I'll say, are they in their own room yet? And they'll say, well, no, because I'm up so many times, I don't want to move them. And I get that 100%, but actually the first thing that we do is move them into their own room and instantly some of those wake-ups are cut because even though you feel like you're as quiet as a mouse, the slightest change in that baby's environment overnight can be disruptive to their natural sleep pattern. So if you're coming into bed at, say, 10, 10, 30, although you've got it down and you're getting into bed ninja style and everything's totally fine, you have still disrupted their sleep cycles. And so they may not wake up when you actually get into bed, but you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to wake up within one sleep cycle of you going to bed. And people don't make the association that it was them that actually disturbed them because it's not been an immediate thing, but because they've come into that lighter sleep cycle and they've then been disrupted, they are waking up as a result of you coming into bed. So there's, you know, that's the obvious one, but there's also, you know, you as adults, we rumble around as well. You know, we move in our beds, that's disruptive. Um, people can snore, people can cough, people can fart. Like, it all happens and it can all be really disruptive to baby. Um, and according to my husband, that uh, he just wakes up when I move around because I've got a hefty <laughs> stomach. <laughs> I mean, that might be the case just now, but I can vouch for the fact that Ollie sleeps through pretty much anything normally. (laughs) And he's doing so with earplugs already. (laughs) You've decided it's time. And even though you might still be a bit worried about it, you know that you and baby are ready. Well, ready as you'll probably ever be. But how do you go about actually doing it? We've mentioned my very gradual way and there are more quick ways, but Sarah, how do I do it? So yeah, you're right. As with everything, there's the cold turkey method and you can just go straight for it. So you make the decision that you're moving them into their own room and go for it. Just do that. I would always recommend that you start with naps just because, you know, it gives you a day to kind of get used to things before you've gone for an overnight so for some parents that just feels a little bit more comforting that you're making that change during the day you're not doing it when you're tired you're not doing it in the dark because everything does feel so much harder when it's dark you've got nobody to text you've got nobody to phone if you're doing things during the day you know you can pop baby in their own room pop them down for a nap that's absolutely fine you can get straight on the phone to your best friend and have a good cry about the fact that you've cut the apron strings so you know that's that's certainly how I would go about it but you don't have to be as cold turkey as that you can 100% do the methods that we talked about you know literally by starting if you've got for example an ex to me or something like that just move it slightly away from the bed if you've got a Moses basket just move it around the room so that you're getting a little bit further away if you've got an ensuite that can be the first step you know pop baby to sleep in the ensuite for a few nights so that they're still there but you've got a little bit of a door between you you don't need to shut the door I think most people have an ensuite (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people have ensuite (laughs) So you can do that. Or if you've got a walk-in wardrobe, you can also pop them in the walk-in wardrobe. Just make sure that wherever they're going, it's ventilated. That's the key thing. But it does just make it... doesn't have an automatic light or something. (laughs) (laughs) comes on when baby moves. It just makes it feel like a bit more of a gradual um, change. I had one one family years ago, actually. They were amazing. They they actually had a two-bedroom flat and they ended up having four children. And so every baby would sleep in the tiny um, downstairs toilet for the first few months and they just covered the toilet and everything up the first time I was there I had no idea that there was like a toilet and a sink they'd like use the toilet and sink to put kind of um, baskets and stuff on top with all the baby's stuff so you just couldn't tell and yeah every single baby started their life in that toilet 
<laughs> it works. Really? Yeah, it totally works. So you can you can be really clever with space. Um, and again, you know, there are going to be situations. We get a lot of people on Sleep Club who are either in temporary accommodation while they're renovating houses and things like that. And they are they are having to make do. We had a family recently who um, the baby was sleeping in the hall for the first um, for the few weeks that they were in that house. So they were, there was still a little bit of distance between them, but there wasn't the option to have a second bedroom. So rather than having them in the bedroom, they opted for that. So say even if you're doing the gradual process, you could still sort of start by doing naps, but wait for overnight, like move your, mm-hmm. over, you know, if you've got a kind of Moses basket that you're using, you can still start doing the naps in their own room and maybe in the big cot. Um, and there are sort of certain things that you can do. Definitely familiarize baby with the room that they're going to be in, spend time in there during the day so they get used to their cot and that space. So it's not like, you know, if they've never been in there, it can be a bit daunting. Um, but also if you are moving them both, not just into their own room, but moving them from a Moses basket or a next to me, you want to think about that them going into that space of a, a larger cot. So that's when you would recommend things like a baby nest or even putting the actual Moses basket or the next mm-hmm. me top bit in the cot for the first night. Can you, you do Definitely. that so that it's kind of yeah. like they're like, oh, this is my safe space in this mm-hmm. new space. Yeah, absolutely. You want to make it as snug as possible for them and transition and using the, um, you know, any of the sort of devices that you, you've been using for sleep. You can definitely transition using those or do the nest that um, we use as an example quite a lot. Um, so how do you do that? You may as well just chat about just so now. how do you make a nest in their cot? If you're making a nest, then you would um, use a cellular blanket. I'm now using my hands. Um, if you're making a nest, you would use a cellular blanket, roll it up like a big long sausage, put it in a horseshoe, an upside down horseshoe shape underneath the sheet. So it's nice and safe, totally breathable. You're not having it completely against the baby. So you just want it to be tall enough in the cot that baby's feet can be at the foot of the cot, head in the top of the nest. But, you know, there's obviously still more than enough space for baby to move around and breathe um, so they can move their head freely from side to side. It's really important that that's a cellular blanket so that it's... it's Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got a sleepy head, if you've been using one of those sorts of types of things, then you can just put that straight into the cot as well um, to do the transition. Or like you say, Moses Basset, as long as... Lots of people don't recommend them. Yes, no, that is very true. I'm not a fan of them, but if you have one, you can use it. But yeah, the Moses basket, as long as, again, it's all about the ventilation. So there are lots of ways you can kind of make it feel like a safer, sort of more mm-hmm. secure space for a baby to move into. And, you know, and obviously that it's familiar to them. You want you. That's why having your bedtime routine is important because you can still just use all the same things when you're putting them to bed. And I think as we kind of touched on um, earlier, the hardest thing is for the parents, like, as I was very worried about it with Indy, I don't think she actually barely blinked that first night. And that's, we've also had that with sleep clubbers being like really anxious about doing it. And then they're like, oh, it was totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally fine. Yeah. But that's, as as with so many things with parenting, the babies are absolutely fine and it is us as parents that get ourselves into an anxious knot before we do these things. 
That's the emotional side of it. But I also think there's often a very real worry, as we've touched on, that you move baby into their own room and instead of like leaning across the bed or stepping across the room, you're going to be traipsing down the hall multiple, multiple times a night, depending on where you're at asleep. And whilst that might not be a reality, it makes for a totally plausible reason not to do it, I think, as well. (laughs) Um, So what do you do if it makes sleep worse for you and baby yeah absolutely so that is a very real possibility that your sleep might get worse initially you know I speak to so many people who say oh we made the transition baby slept like a log and I've been up all night and that's horrific you know you you've done this because you know most of the time you're trying to get more sleep so it's really frustrating for you but give yourself that opportunity to really see it through to the end and start to relax and be comfortable that they are in their own room If you're really struggling and you feel like you can't relax, another way of doing the transition is for you to move into the baby's room for a little while so you actually get used to them being in there with you and then you gradually move out. Mm -hmm. And you can make the move for you really gradual. You know, you could say, okay, they're going to be in that room on their own from, say, 7 till 10, and then when I go to bed, I'm going to go to bed in that room or they're going to be in in on their own until their first wake-up. So you're only going in at the first wake-up. That's really funny. It's like... (laughs) You're doing it like the gradual move away for the yeah. parent rather than absolutely, the absolutely. It's you know totally psychologically for for the parents. You're um, moving them out slowly, so you can do it that way. But in terms of the baby sleep, you have to give them the opportunity as well to settle into this new pattern. So quite often when you've made a room change, it's coinciding with a routine change so you do really need to dig deep and see yourself through the the um, sleep mum's golden rule of the three to five days and nights you know which if you've not listened to the podcast we would definitely recommend absolutely so you really really want to um you know persist with what you're doing for those first few nights give yourself the five nights of reset then it, it is very dependent on when you've made the move obviously if you've made the move pre-six months there is every possibility depending on baby's age that you are still going to be up and down feeding so you know that's when you want to be listening to some of the other podcast episodes like settling and things like that because it might be that now that you've made the move into their own room they don't need to be fed every time they wake up so you are looking at settling them rather than feeding them so there's all sorts of other things going on and it's not just as straightforward as I've moved them into their own room and they're going to sleep for 12 hours it doesn't work like that so you do have to know where your baby's at in terms of schedule what's age appropriate for them and what your expectations are of them being in their own room. Seeing as you mentioned it, if you are making other changes, like say you're making a routine change or you are starting weaning, do you recommend doing one thing at a time and kind of having a bit of space in between those changes, whether that's for the parent or for baby and the parent? Or do you think you can just go do everything at the same time? I think you can do everything at the same time because, you know, generally if you are making a change like this, it is because baby's ready um, you're, or it is because of a situation that you're in. You might be moving them out of your room because actually you're sleep deprived because they're waking you up and your mental health is suffering. So you need them to be in their own space. You know, it's not just about baby and their needs. It can be about you and your needs as well. Um, you know, for a lot of people, it's that, they haven't actually had their partner in their bedroom for X amount of months and they really want that back. Yeah. So they're all things that you have to consider as well. So, so yeah, it, it is, there's a lot of factors, but yeah, I would say 
it does generally coincide with lots of changes and that's okay to do it all at the same time. When you're looking at a baby's 24 hours, the only time I would really recommend not doing things at the same time would be if you're thinking about maybe removing a comforter at the same time as moving them into their own room. You might want to make that a bit more of a gradual transition and maybe do one at a time. So basically don't get rid of the dummy and move them into their own room, which can also happen around the same stage as well. Like I didn't even mention that one, but that's another one that parents can often Uh think about doing around the same age. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you, you would want to stagger that. Not saying that you can't do it, but you would do it in a slower way than just going cold turkey on both fronts. It's sort of like move, removing a bunch of comforters and you don't want to do that at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as well as it being anxiety inducing in that they're not right there beside you, as you say, you, you can be quite used to waking up to every little sound, which in itself can be, can make you feel quite anxious but I guess it's probably good um for that change of well maybe I don't know would you recommend this like you know if you've got a monitor having the monitor beside you in bed just for that those first few nights like even if you can hear a baby through the wall yeah or down the hall or whatever it is should you have a monitor on I I think I think it's quite an individual thing. I think you need to really think about your headspace. Um, if you can hear baby without a monitor and you're comfortable with that, then that's absolutely fine. If you're going to get reassurance from having a monitor, then that's absolutely fine. You can use, if you've got a video monitor, you can put the sound down, but you can see them move or you can put the sound up, but not see them. So you can play around with it. I think you, ha- you have to really think about yourself and what's going to make you relax the most. Yeah, it's, you know... It's as ever with these changes, it's a two-way thing or a three or four, mm-hmm. depending if you've got other children, partners, <laughs> partners. <laughs> got something to tell us, Kat? <laughs> and finally, whilst this might feel like a massive move, it's probably not forever in that there will be times when you will share your room with your baby again, whether that's staying with family or friends or going on holiday or simply out of necessity. So if you've made this big move, won't these things just set you back a step or two if you do go on holiday or you do go and stay with people? How do you deal with the kind of the step back, if you like, Sarah? So nothing's going to set you back it might feel like for the duration that you're away or if you're staying at somebody else's house yes there could be a bit of disruption but once you're home again it will settle again so it's not you're not nothing's going to ruin what you've done I suppose that's the thing yes you might suffer a little bit of disruption which you would anyway with any sort of transition but it's not you've not worked hard at something and then undone it all and I think what can be really difficult about those circumstances usually is when baby's a little bit older and they can, whether they can stand up or they can say, mama, dada, when they're in the same room as you. And that then it can be really hard to not then, whatever thing you end up doing, whether it's bringing them into bed. And then it's actually those changes that are harder when you come back from that situation, I think, that you know definitely I think that it is it's the emotional heartstrings again isn't it you know when baby starts to talk or stand up I think the standing up one is maybe even worse than the talking you know when they stand up and they're caught and they hold their arms up to you actually not lifting them yeah. is 
virtually impossible. But you know deep down that is the right thing not to unless there is something wrong. So yeah, you you know, again, always refer back to the three to five day rule. That's it's the best thing with any of these sort of transitions and changes, you know, going away. You might go away and you might have five nights of hell while you're away. You know, these things happen and you might decide that you're never going on holiday again. I think because quite often it does tend to coincide whether you're staying with friends or family or or away or as say it's a sort of situational thing it tends to coincide with things being unsettled more stimulation more people around different kind of a routine which can kind of mean that sleep is a bit different then they're also in your room and then you're like ah (laughs) and I mean not that I'm talking from a personal experience (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean all these things can be a bit frustrating when you're going through them so so just kind of go with it get get through the trip as best as you can or the time period that you're in that circumstance and then when you come home you can as you would do with any change or transition depending on the age of of baby at that stage put the things in place to to try and pull it back yep definitely and it's amazing how quickly people can pull it back you know you you can feel quite nervous about that about coming back from these things but actually the more ingrained a routine is or a schedule is and the more times you've actually disrupted it the quicker you come back on track every time you do something that disrupts it Every week we like to answer one of your questions because we know how important it is to answer every week we answer one of your listener questions. Every week we answer one of your questions on the podcast because we know how important it is to put any advice that we're talking about to practice in your lives and in the real world because it can feel really different. This week we have a question all about moving baby into their own room. My baby is 16 weeks and so noisy I'm feeling really anxious about overnights because I find that I'm waking up frequently and end up getting her up to give her a feed. Can I move her into her own room yet, do you think? Thank you. It's a really hard one. My son was really, really noisy, really noisy sleeper. Oh, (laughs) I just did a burp. (laughs) I don't know where he gets it from. But I actually find the opposite. I find when we did move him, which was, you know, I think about, about five, six months, I really missed the, the sound, his his noisiness, because I'd got so used to it. Yeah, I think for some people, you know, it can be frustrating when it's there and then it can actually be a real pull because you don't realise how much you've relied on that for um, sort of emotional support for you that everything's okay. Yeah. So it can work both ways. But yeah, equally, exactly. you know, um, the question is, expressing that anxiety over the noise and I do think that's a really real issue for so many people when you're climbing into bed already tired and then you know that you you are going to get woken up and it's not necessarily going to be a necessary wake up I think you know for a lot of people those justified wake ups when they are actually hungry and they need a feed doesn't matter how tired you are you can get through that wake up because you know that you're meeting baby's needs if you're lying awake in bed and you're just worrying about that first noise that is going to disrupt you you end up in this vicious cycle where you're just not getting enough sleep yourself at all and as a result when they do then wake up for a proper feed or you know because they properly need you 
you're not firing on all cylinders. You're not ready for it because you're so exhausted. So it is a real thing, you know. It's that anxiety which is causing sleep deprivation, which just, you know, has a massive negative effect. So certainly in this situation, you would have to think, what is the right thing? You know, is it right to keep that baby in your room until they're six months? Which is another two and a bit months for that mum. You know, that's a long time if this is not going to stop, which the likelihood is it's not going to stop because babies are noisy. You know, the, the whole um, sleep like a baby saying, who wants to sleep like a baby? You know, they do wake up. They are noisy. They actually are not quiet, settled sleepers. So, you know, it's it's not a, it's not something that generally does pass. Babies will stay noisy for a very, very long time. So I would be advising her to really look at her situation, see if there's a way of, you know, maybe keeping baby in a space that she's comfortable with without going the whole hog into their own room. But, you know, doing that sort of gentler transition um, just so that they are comfortable with it. And then when they're ready or maybe when they are a wee bit older, go straight into their own room. But if you can, if you've got this, the space to do a gradual transition, then I would say that that's the best bet at this stage. You can also wear your earplugs. You know, you're still going to hear a proper wake up if you've got earplugs in, but it might drown out some of the, you know, grunty, groany noises. Um, from a routine and schedule point of view, of course, you don't, in an ideal world, want to be lifting to do a feed unless baby is ready for that. But at the same time, I appreciate why you're saying that you're doing that because you're in the hope that it will help them to settle. But you said yourself that, um, you know, it's not working. So do try and sort of ride that wave and get through those wake-ups without doing the feed. Um, using one of the noise devices as well can help. You know, you can have that closer to you than the baby. So actually it's helping you mask the baby's noises. Yeah, white noise can work for adults or maybe Absolutely. it's whale sounds or whatever your jam is. Mm-hmm. So honing in on that rather than baby's noises can really help. And even just moving if baby is next to you, switching bedsides so that you've even got the side of a bed between you can make a big difference. I know you know about this study and it is obviously a bit controversial because the whole reason behind keeping baby in your room till six months or beyond is about safe sleep. But there was a study that said that basically babies who stayed in their parents' room between four and nine months, it's quite a specific time period, slept. Both parents and babies slept less well for that period of time, Um, which you know, there is no reason to say that that's not how it should be. It it might be that that is a kind of an important mechanism, I guess. But if it is causing you anxiety and stress, then it's something, I guess, to bear in mind. And I think, as you said, kind of splitting the difference, having that gradual process um, and then reassessing things and see how you get on because your mental health is is important Mm -hmm. too that's the thing you have to think about the biggest picture you know and that's taking everybody's needs into consideration it's not just about the baby's needs it's about keeping everybody safe and well as ever if you have your own listener question please do get in touch with us you can find us at the sleep mums on social media on facebook and instagram Uh, you can also uh, send us a wee email or jump on our website our email address is hello at sleepmums.com we'd love to hear from you because we know how much it helps you tell us all the time it's totally understandable to worry about moving your baby out of your room It's also totally understandable to feel ready to reclaim your sleep space and for you not to feel guilty about it. 
there is no right time. There are guidelines and there are studies that will give you some really important information. Safe sleep always has to be a priority, but ultimately every baby, every family and every setup is different. There are practical things you can do to help you through some of those worries as we've discussed, but most importantly, you have to be ready. And as we always recommend for big changes, you need to have a plan. It's totally Girl Scout, but it helps you to see things through and have a foundation to come back to when you hit any bumps in the road. As ever, we hope this helped. And if you're moving your baby into their own room, do let us know how you get on. You can find us on social media, come and say hi, at The Sleep Mums on Facebook and Instagram. Also, we'd love it if you'd leave a review for the podcast. It really helps. Plus, it means we can continue doing what we do best, supporting you to get better sleep. Look after yourselves and sleep soon. <laughs>